Thank Got you it. for that lovely, lovely sound. Are you gaslighting my gas? I gaslight your gas. Yes, I sure did. It's yeah. really funny. There's a man. There's a manager at work that I like to mess. Okay, that's gonna sound bad. That I like to tease. <laughs> I like to mess around with um, that I like to tease and he's like because he's like the super nice guy and um, he said something and I was like oh yeah I forgot your manager so go ahead and continue with the gaslighting he was like gaslighting I'm not gaslighting I was like wow there you go again and I was realizing <laughs> I was like you can really like you can really accuse anybody of gaslighting with anything they say yeah no that yes yes you can gaslighting is one of those things where i think that people just do it so inherently that they don't even know when they are doing it and so it's like one of those things you know you're getting called out on being gaslit now you're pissed off because you hate that word (laughs) and i'm like it's like the tone it's like the term woke it had a meaningful meaning in the beginning and then all of a sudden it's like okay we're just abusing the word now yeah, we're just abusing this term. Uh, may we stop? But, you know, we'll stop. And I hate to say this, but I always feel like people who gaslight are the people who are sort of in the wrong to begin with, right? And in an argument or in a situation. So they have to turn it around and make it all about themselves. Oh, yeah. And so usually if you're the one doing it, you're probably wrong. So yeah. just keeping just a little advice. Anyways. <laughs> I guess we'll get started now. That was our... That's our PSA. That's our PSA for our Call Your Girlfriends episode. Whoop, whoop. One, two, three, four. is Slashers, your new favorite podcast about your new favorite horror media. Today is a special Call Your Ghoul Friends episode because today I'm with my favorite colleague, co-host, and cohort, my boo-boo Mikey. Mikey, say hello to the mutant goons from beyond. Hello, mutant goons from beyond. It's great to see you. I hope you're doing well. Are you gaslighting again, Mikey? Yes. (laughs) Just kidding. February is a special month. And so for those of you who've been listening, we had Spawn come out beginning of February because we did a Patreon incentive for December, trying to get more Patreon members. And we were like, okay, well, if you sign up in December, then you can choose any movie you want for us to do. Well, that got us about, what, two Patreon followers? I think two. (laughs) Not in total, but new people. New people. One being uh, the Ginger Ninja. I just call him that because that's his uh, Instagram handle. I, I, I What's his real name? Gage. Got, what's it? He's got a real name. Wes? Wes? Graham? I don't... He's, he's Jason's that's... co-worker, so... <laughs> Hi, Jason's kidding. co-worker and friend. Yes, I, and I should know because I am on the Patreon. But guys, I'm like so bad on the Patreon because I'm the only one like really looking at it. So I, I try to keep up, but there's just so many things to keep up with. So if you want if you want to talk to me or get a hold of any of us quicker, please use a DMs on Instagram or through a Messenger or through Facebook. Anyways, but so we started off with Spawn and our next episode was Creep Show for Kevin because we love Kevin. So we decided, okay, our favorite, not our favorite Patreon members, but our most vocal and our longest standing Patreon members deserved an episode. And so we asked a couple of people around and Kevin responded right away and he wanted Creep Show. So thank you, Kevin. And then Cam, of course. Thanks, Kevin. 
So thank you, Cam. And then I was like, oh yeah, my mom's Patreon member. <laughs> I think I should ask her. What did Cam her. pick? Cam did picked, Cam yeah, she picked Strange Land, which will come out after this. Oh, okay. She picked Got a it. few movies, but uh, she, well, she loves the Halloween franchise, but we've, we've already done an entire episode on a bunch of Halloween movies and 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 then we've been bitching about Halloween ends for so many episodes. So, you know, her her other choice was Strange Land, and I was like, you know what? I think that's a great great pick because we, you know, it's a D. Snyder movie. We've got Linda Cardellini in it. It's got a great soundtrack, and we know the story. I stole the soundtrack from my ex husband. So, <gasps> John, if you're ever looking for it, it's in my car, getting scratched up in the center console. Ha. Huh anyway oh that was mean did i just gaslight yeah. okay let me just stop no that. you didn't gaslight you told him the truth <laughs> I, I yes i told you the truth if you were looking for the cd i still have it and if you want it back you're not getting it so anyway um <laughs> i don't want to know yeah, wanna... patreon member john <laughs> aids ex-husband i go like wait a minute i kind of know this person like the only tier i want is my cd back yay and so there's that and then we have brenda who is pretty vocal on her patreon and i felt bad because you know she joined the patreon she loves listening and she's usually commenting and actually using the patreon <laughs> and i think the only other person besides cam is kevin who does and it just makes me sad because i'm like oh my god i never never on there so I never respond so I, I gave brenda a pick and brenda chose something and i put it in the drive so Brenda also got a pick. So if any other Patreon members want to come forward and ask for an episode, please do. It may not come out this month, but it'll come out later on. We'll figure out a way to, to, to you know, fit it in because we appreciate you. We appreciate our members we already have. And we really want you guys to be happy with us and want to hear what you want to hear as well. So, yeah. And if there's one thing AIDS good at is figuring out how to fit it in. That's true. That's yes, it's true. So Brenda picked the stylist, which is going to be a oh, yeah. girlfriend's episode. Remember? So we're going to do that yes. for Brenda. So that'll be fun. And then for our Patreon bonus this month, we are all going to cover possession because it's mm. currently, yes, that is currently streaming on shutter. And with that said, I think it's easy to watch. Have you seen it yet? Have you seen possession? Yet? No. Mm-mm. Anyways, that stars Sam Neill, for those of you who don't know, and it is pretty fucked up, but it's actually at Doug, Doug praised, has been praised this movie for years, but can never find it streaming anywhere. And now it's streaming on Shudder and it's a beautifully shot film. It's gorgeous. And it is really, really fucked up. Like it is insane. So if you like Mikey, you and Adam just need to get some popcorn, put the kids to bed and watch it. Actually, no, don't watch it with your significant other because it is a very like, it's really traumatic. Like, and especially if you've been through divorce, I think that it kind of hits a little harder too, because like, while things are going through, you're like, oh, oh, oh. Anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, so I definitely want to see it. I'm just waiting, waiting for the right time to like because I feel like it's a movie that I have to be in the right state of mind for I don't want to be in that mood where I'm like I'm just going to put something on where I like doze off I want to actually pay attention because this movie has been widely discussed for many many years Mm -hmm. and it was a big deal when it came out on Shutter because the only way you could really watch it was this to buy the steel book which was 40 bucks and I was like I'm broke so I'm gonna wait and yeah. look what happens it's coming out and actually the alamo draft house is doing a sh- showing in the theater for it but it's easier just to watch it at home 
Well, yes, but if you have a choice, or if you have a chance to see it straight um, in the theater, I would definitely go see it because it is, like I said, the, the sets are gorgeous. It's just the way, you know, where it's shot, how it's shot visually, it's a beautiful movie. And also it's featured on that hundred scary horror movies poster I got for Christmas that I've been scratching off. Mm-hmm. So I just happened to be reading it the other day and I'd watched Possession and I was, you know, I watched it. And we'll talk about it more in the Patreon episode, and then we'll move on. Yes, we're going to actually cover today. My mother's pick is the black phone, for those of you who don't know. But really quick about the possession. If you are into horror that, like atmospheric horror, and if you're into a good, I don't want to say it's a slow burn, but there there are a lot of things that lead up to the really fucked up part. So kind of like along the lines of the brood. Like if you can get through the brood or, you know, films like that, which I love the brood, but you know, Dan, Dan was like, what the fuck? Like, cause I, I had to keep stopping it. Cause he would start talking to me about something completely, you know, I'm over here trying to enjoy it. And he keeps talking to me about shit. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, I'm trying to watch Sam Neill. God damn it. I think it just makes people very uncomfortable. So, yeah. and I think that hereditary borrows a lot from it. So that's all I'm going to say. So if you have not seen possession mm-hmm. yet, I just, I just kind of wanted to sell it to people right now, if they listen to this episode, because I think it's really important. You watch the film before you listen to that Patreon bonus episode, because uh, I don't want to ruin anything for anybody. So anyways, it's I'm an experience. Ex- it is an experience. And I think it's a really enjoyable experience, honestly, uh, very sexual too. So if you like that, anyway, Ooh. Ah. <laughs> speaking of sexual, you know what I saw yesterday? What did you see yesterday? In- Infinity Wars Pool. Oh, that's right. Infinity Pool starring my mm-hmm. Alexander Skarsgård. Yes. My man. And of course, I don't want to say anything because everybody's like, oh, I don't want to. Don't really. All I will say is it's good. Check it out. By the way, I wasn't. Okay, so like I have respect for Mia Goth. I think she's great as an actress. But after watching Infinity Pool, I'm like, now I get it. Like, now I know why she is such a force in the horror community. I haven't seen Pearl. And I think a lot of people got that in that movie. But in Infinity Pool, she brings her A-game. And I will say this. I am not a fan of the Cronenbergs. I don't really care for body horror. I've seen a couple of David Cronenberg movies that I just, you know, doesn't really gel with me. I'm not saying they're bad. I just saying in regards to my enjoyment, mm-hmm. not really happening. And people were like, well, give his son a try because Brandon Cronenberg made Possessor, which I saw. Austin was very upset that I didn't like it, but it's also revenge because he didn't like Skin and Marine, which is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, Agreed. So, yeah. So, you know, and then watching Possessor, I was like, well, I'm a little less excited to watch Infinity Pool now, but it was far superior in my opinion beautifully shot very sexual that's it that's all i'm gonna say well i'm excited for that one because i really do love uh, david cronenberg i recently just yeah. watched video drum because it was on my poster because i had never seen it and we do an episode on video drum here on the podcast so if you haven't listened to that one go ahead and listen to it but mia goth i thought was great and a cure for wellness which was one of a lot of people didn't like that film mm-hmm. and i thought it was great i loved that film and it was very Cronenberg actually I don't know is it a Cronenberg film because let me click on it right now because if it is it'll luck, be the second time she works with one yeah, I haven't seen Gore Verbinski Gore Verbinski so yeah if you've not seen a uh, cure for wellness she's really good in that as well but you know what 
I feel like a lot of her trauma stems from her marriage to Shia LaBeouf. And that's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> Didn't know she was married to him, but two know. years, two years. Yeah. Uh, he, he seems like he'd be a, he'd be a trip. <laughs> well, she's great. So, she's yeah. amazing. And she's so pretty. Like in X, I was like, eh, whatever. In Pearl takes place a long time ago. So I don't, you know, it's not like the current standards of beauty, but in Infinity Pool, she is smoking. Yeah, she's well, she's Brazilian. She's a beautiful girl. I, I hate it when she doesn't have eyebrows. She's Brazilian? She's Brazilian, yeah. I don't know. But you I can kind of like... tell. Yeah, she I, there's something about her, but you know, I used to Are you saying she's Latina? I'm just saying there is something about her face. And then I looked her up and I said, oh, there she is. She's Brazilian. So is that considered Latina? Latin America? No. Yeah. No. It's, That's South America. They, they do. They do. Because Braga considers himself Latin and he's um, okay. He's, he's Brazilian. My Braga. I love well, that, you, Braga. <laughs> that makes it even better. And I actually changed my, uh, my mind. She was actually really, really adorable in Suspiria. So. Oh yeah, she was cute in Suspiria as well, and I liked her. Yeah. And that's my thing, because I get so sick and tired of that little bitch. What's her name? I shouldn't say that. You better not say Jenna Ortega. Not Jenny Ortega. Oh my goodness, my heart rate. Chloe Grace Moretz. She's not Ew, good. No man. Stop making no. her happen. She's not good. I'm so sick of her. Her big old nostrils always running. Like that's all she can do. I, like literally. I the am same interested. Character. She's in a movie that apparently it's like a spoiler alert if you say it's a horror movie, but like she's in a movie on Hulu where she's like a pilot and it's supposed to be like a secretly horror movie. So I like I kind of want to see it just for that aspect, but I just, I can't with her. She dug her own grave with Carrie. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. And even before Carrie, I didn't like her and let the right one or let me in because they can't even use the same title because for some reason nobody wants to say let them in. Well, it doesn't matter. Anyways, so back to the black phone. <laughs> I can bitch all day. Black phone. I know. So, so the black phone, you know, initially I, I, I took a long time to see it because, and I'll say, I will admit it was a Blumhouse movie. I thought it was PG-13. Turns out it's not. It's rated R, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And so that was to my detriment. I don't know why I thought it was PG-13, but I was like, oh, it's Blumhouse. Oh, they got Ethan Hawke sitting in a chair shirtless. Yes, I do want to see that. No, am I scared of that? Yeah, you know what I mean? Like that sort of thing. And I just, I kind of put it off for the longest time. And finally, Dan Dan was like, oh, we're going to watch it because they put it on Prime and I had no idea what I was getting myself into. I don't know if you knew anything. I hadn't seen any trailers of it. Uh, all I saw was that clip of him sitting in the chair. And that was it. I yeah. Like if the trailer played on it, I wasn't listening. Like I had no idea what was going on in that movie. And I had no idea that it was set back in the 70s. And I think yeah. that had I known that, I probably would have watched it sooner. Because we've talked about this before. I really appreciate films that are set back in a simpler time because I feel like it's more effective at scaring you because there's not somebody on their fucking phone every five minutes and there's not yeah, some you're more ass. isolated exactly and and it's just more of um and I think that's what works to its advantage as well and now I haven't read the book and I know that the book is by Joe Hill but this was the screenplay and was written by Scott Derrickson and C. Robert Cargill who also uh co-wrote movies like sinister and sinister mm-hmm. 2 and 
you know, the exorcism of Emily Rose, Urban Legend, Spinal Cut. So these two have worked on a lot of, you know, wrote a lot of movies together. And Scott Derrickson, we all know from like movies like Doctor Strange and obviously Sinister and all these other things. But I I really appreciated that this was a Joe Hill movie or a Joe Hill adaptation because I'm so impressed with Horns. Horns is one of my favorite films. And I'm sure if I read the book, I probably would enjoy it because I feel like I've read excerpts of Joe Hill versus Stephen King. And I know their father and son, they look exactly the same. So if you guys don't, if you guys have never seen them, like if you saw Joe Hill, you'd be like, oh, that's Stephen King. No, it's not Stephen King. That's the son. Yeah, he does kind of look like him. They look exactly the same, like, except <laughs> Joe Hill has a beard, but even the fucking glasses, like, could they yeah. look any more similar? So, <laughs> which is cute, I think. I'm like, oh, that's adorable. So, and they're both writers. Oh, so, you know, I just think that going into that and see, I didn't know any of these things. Did you know any of these? Things? Like, what, did, what, what was going through your mind when you saw this movie? Like, how did you feel? Um, so it's going to be very similar. If you've heard the Megan episode, this is basically the same scenario where I saw the trailer for Black Phone. I knew it was about, I knew Joe Hill was the writer and it just, nothing was selling me on it. I was not really excited to watch a movie about someone that kidnaps kids. Like, it's not that it wasn't like triggering for me, but it just looked more like a CSI episode rather than a horror movie. And then like the ghosts are like the good guys trying to help the kid get out or whatever. And I was like, eh, it's just not my my style. Like I like my ghosts to be evil and, you know, I like my killers to be scary. So I just wasn't interested in it. And then when it came out, didn't watch it, but filmmakers like independent filmmakers that have made like bigger movies like um i can't remember his name ted i don't know how to say his last name but the, he made we are still here and he has another movie coming out soon oh i love that movie yeah i follow a lot of filmmakers that are like on that level where like you've seen the posters and you but you wouldn't really recognize the name it's like geohan or something or i don't know mm-hmm. if i'm mispronouncing that really bad sorry ted if you're listening <laughs> uh, fan of the fan of the show ted oh yeah um, ted geohan Johan, Joe Joe Hegan, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Anyways, but um, it was either him or someone else that I follow on the same type of film scene that was like, "This is the probably the best movie I've seen in a very long time." And I was like, "That's strange," and the positive reviews just kept coming out, and it wasn't so much like reviews of being like scary or anything, just reviews of being a good movie, and so I was like okay maybe there's something to this movie and so I was talking to my friend Cody at work who I always drag to the movies with me last minute and I was like maybe I do want to see this because I was like a time when I haven't been to the movies in a long time and I was like let's go check it out and so we decided to go check it out at the movie theater and because he had the same feelings I did where it's like it looks fine nothing spectacular mm. but we actually saw it and I was like oh shit like oh that's what it was it wasn't reviews necessarily highlighting the frighteningness of it but the intense suspense and I think that's where the movie really shines is its suspense and the actors in the film especially that little girl that had no business acting so well yes yes I want to talk about her too (laughs) we're gonna definitely get into that is this horror Hmm. horror light yeah I you know it kind of reminds me and I think I think one of the ways that they tried to make it horror, it is horrific. 
there are a lot of things that are very horrific in this film. And I think marketing it as a horror film was a good job on their part because you're going to attract this audience, right? And then otherwise, yeah. like my mom, I knew, like the minute I started watching this movie, I was like, oh my God, my mom would love this movie because she loves movies like this. And hey, Ma, this is for you, this episode. Yay. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was funny because we had literally the next day she was she was texting me about something and then she was like, she was talking about a movie and I can't remember what movie she recommended. But then she was like, oh, and you have to watch The Black Phone. It's so good. It's so good. And I'm like, oh my God, I just watched it. I was actually going to call you and tell you to watch this movie. So um, that was pretty hilarious. I think it's more of like, it kind of reminded me in the same vein. And I love this one too. And I play it for the kids a lot because it's a movie based on a book. But it is scary. The kids scream is, but I, you know, I it's it's scary. It's the type of scary, I guess. But is is the Lovely Bones? I don't know if you've seen the mm. Lovely Bones. Yeah, a long time ago. Yeah, so good. Um, is it a horror film? She's a go. I mean, not. But it's in the same vein of okay, this is a child murderer. This is you know these kids are being kidnapped. We don't know what's happening to them. And Stanley Tucci is this creep and it's just so, oh my God. And I hate watching him in that kind of role. Like physically makes me ill seeing him do that because I love him so much. And, you know, and it's just one of those, you know, films that just, it always sticks with you. So at the end of the year, that's one of the movies I always play for my students because one, it's based on a book and I'm an English teacher. And two, they always like talk shit. Like, what is this? What is this? Because it's another film set back in the 70s or it's in the 80s. I think it's in the 80s. And I um, so. I don't know. Like, I, I watch it all the time, but she's usually wearing bell bottom corduroys. I think it's like early 80s. And they will not turn away. And I have a very, we were discussing this earlier. Like, my demographic is varied. But, you know, we're 75% low income students and, you know, the rest are the um, upper class kids that live in the neighborhood because I live in a very, you know, eclectic urban district. And so movies like this, I think, are so beautiful because it attracts everybody, right? It doesn't matter where you're from, who you are, what you do, what you like. It is one of those films that it's going to get everyone's attention. So even if you don't like horror, you're definitely going to like this. Now, just to go back, I don't want to sidetrack. So those are the things that I just wanted to talk about it. But one of the things I wanted to mention too, there's a lot of good Easter eggs in this film, specifically for Sinister and then also for the book itself, because his mask, Ethan Hawke, mm-hmm. who plays the grabber, and we'll, we have to talk about Ethan Hawke. We have to. Yes. <laughs> but that that mask was supposed to be, I guess, in the book is a clown mask, which is supposed to sort of mimic Pennywise. Gacy. No, oh, Pennywise. just kidding. <laughs> Sorry, I was looking at. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about real life stuff. Sorry. <laughs> Otherwise known as Jake's handle, Gacy Jones on yes. Instagram. So it was just cute, and then there's a couple of things like there's the line running through the wall in the basement from the phone. It's a reference to Sinister which did look like sinister, but I assumed off the bat, okay, this is a Blumhouse film, that's why. And so I think that the directors and the writers with the screenplay, they sort of took, well, I know that Scott Derrickson took a lot of the fear that he had from his own childhood growing up, and he sort of kind of 
encapsulates that and then brings that back into this film while also, you know, making sure that he is respecting the source material. So it's not like a Stanley Kubrick where I'm just going to take the book and run with it and do what the fuck I want. It is, which I love The Shining. So, you know, whatever. But I feel like with this one having the mask that Ethan Hawke wears, which is kind of like a devil that's smiling and it emotes too. So he has- Yeah, it has different faces. The bottom part, right? Yeah, he can, you know, who the fuck, firstly, like how, for lack of a better word, sinister are you? That you- (laughs) Sinister, babe. You you concocted some sort of mask because I assume he created it. That he can change the bottom of his face. And it's just so interesting to me. But I think that that's the part that makes it horror because that mask is the scary part. He is basically a monster. And then even when he's not wearing the mask, he looks horrible. Like I've never seen Ethan yeah. Hawk look so terrible. Like, oh, put it back on. Yeah, he please. almost reminds me of like, <laughs> he almost reminds me of like Joaquin Phoenix and Joker. Mm-hmm. Um, the mask is really good because the mask can kind of kill a movie if it's not the right aesthetic. Yes. The mask is good. It reminds me of like those theater masks that my sister used to have on her wall. They used to scare the shit. I mean, the glass ones, okay. um, but uh, made yeah. to look like a devil. Yeah. yeah. But the, Why did every like the, Mar- the Mardi Gras family ones. have those? Yeah. Like my I grandmother no had idea. them all over the house. My aunts had them. What? Why was that a thing? Like <laughs> I have no idea. It's terrifying. But to me, a lot of the horror came from what wasn't shown because it is heavily implied that he's a pedophile. But they don't focus on it and they don't go into detail or show anything regarding that. But it is like insinuated enough to where I believe that's what this grabber was doing. And like the black balloons were a nice touch. Yeah, the black balloons were a nice touch. And like there, there is elements to be like, yeah, this is definitely like real life horror. But the movie itself, like, and you know, it's, it's kind of nice that they didn't exploit that part because you know sometimes you just want to watch a horror movie and be like well that's fucked up but we don't need to get into details <laughs> yeah because it, it it serves its purpose to show the severity of of what he's doing and what kind of monster he is um but you don't have to always go there and yes. he's ethan hawk was just a great yeah yeah especially when you're dealing with children because i think that's one of the reasons why solo is so yeah, and, and a Serbian film. You can't, and I have never seen a Serbian film, so I can't speak to that, but I have seen Solo, unfortunately. And, <laughs> you know, it's not, it, you don't need that. You don't, because I think that it, it's hard enough for me as a woman to watch Rape Revenge, watching someone, you know, a woman get so violated that the way that they do, and it's awful. Like, you know, I've seen I Spit on Your Grave and a few others, and I just, I fucking hate it. If you're going to have, yeah. if you have to have that, I think one of the better films that's just like just like with this, you know that it's implied. It's not glossed over, but it's not the focus because it's not exploitative. And so we know that the creep and the lovely bones, we know that this guy is diddling these kids, right? Like for who says yeah. that? Oh my god. You. I think I just pulled I just pulled a Micahism out of my ass. Nineteen seventies counselors. <laughs> So I think that like, you know, with, with all of that being said, I think it's really important that, that it's implied and that we don't really need to, to go there because 
there are other elements to it that almost everyone can relate to. And that's the father and his, his way of raising the children and specifically the scene where he is whipping the daughter with the belt. Mm -hmm. I've been hit. I've been hit with a belt. Oh yeah. Same. For something stupid too. It wasn't even like I did anything bad, but that's just how we were raised. That's just how it was, right? And you didn't talk about it. And so it's the same thing with these kids. And they actually wanted Scott Derrickson to cut that out, but he wasn't pressured to do so. And I think that is probably one of the most powerful parts in the film. Yeah, that's when I I looked at my friend and I was like, I wish she wasn't such a great actress because that part really bugged me. But- it's strange to say because I feel like we're we're one of the last generations to be raised like that as a majority because mm-hmm. that was normal you know spanking your kids was normal we're transitioning to a, a a time where that's not normal like borderline abuse and so you know I was talking to my friend after the movie about it because you know essentially they don't even though that happens they don't paint the dad out to be a villain and and he was like well like, you have to think, like, that's just how kids are raised back then. You know, it wasn't a form of abuse to get whipped by a belt. It was just we felt so bad for that little girl because, you know, what we know now in terms of how you raise kids. And I was like, but still, it fucked me up. <laughs> yeah, and she, I mean, she was amazing. And so let's go over the cast really quick. If I can talk, I, you know, just to kind of segue into that. Because, you know, I really want to get into Ethan Hawke, but... Oh my God, kudos! Bleh. Oh my God, kudos to Madeline McGraw who played Gwen because she was amazing. This child, mm-hmm. I have never because and this is what pisses me off when you have kids in films and this is a lot of and it's usually in Hallmark movies. Let's just be honest, but there are films yeah. where you have kids in them and the kids just suck. The kids are overacting. It ruins the movie. They're horrible. They're not believable because they're not behaving like kids. They're behaving like, oh, and are we going to get some ice cream next? And are we going to do like, they're behaving like caricatures of what we, we expect children to behave like, but they're not. And to see this film and especially as violent as the kids are, because it's not just, I mean, the, the daughter alone is amazing. Like when she's screaming back at the father and you know, at the end why he's doing it. Right. But it's still not, it's not right right and yeah and he's he's an alcoholic also so his Mm -hmm. judgment's clouded you know but we don't know how he was before the mom killed herself and i mean there's just so many layers in this film and you learn all of these facets and i think that's what makes this makes this movie so good because no matter where the film takes you if you're going through gwen's perspective or if you're if you're down in the cellar with finney and you're you're worried about him or you're you're sitting upstairs with the idiot brother like it doesn't matter where all of the characters are everything is just so interesting and just just mm-hmm. so captivating and for such a muted like the tone the colors are so muted in the movie there's really nothing pretty to look at look at it's a very bleak and desolate kind of set like even the sun shining it's like i don't know what they muted the color with or whatever but it's just not a it's not a pretty movie to watch like it's not it doesn't pull you in but the way that the characters are the, the how the kids act like you know uh, mason thames who plays finney 
So good. And, and, and let's just talk about this really quick with Mason Thames and Madeline McGraw. These are kids who have no idea what this time period is. They're born in the two thousands. Okay. Yeah. They have no fucking clue what the seventies is like the seventies for them would be as, as what the equivalent to like the forties for us. So like, yeah. Yeah. That would be 50 years ago. Yeah. Right. 50 years we were ago? born in the yeah, 80s so 50 be... years would be in the 40s 30 yeah. 40s yeah so like we don't like like i can sort of kind of know and kind of picture the 50s and 60s and we only know about the 60s because of Mad Men. let's be let's be honest <laughs> um and then the 70s obviously you know from like dazed and confused like i'm talking about my generation everyone because we grew up you know we're late 80s babies but like we know the 80s because the 80s and then we know the 90s and we know the early 2000s but like these are kids who have no idea what it's like to live in a world where you're not your parents are posting your pictures every day on facebook so how they can uh portray these characters who live in this world i just it amazes me I, I i'm just like I was floored by the acting in this movie by, by yeah. these kids, especially, you know, specifically the brother and sister. And so um, they actually, one of the trivia is that the daughter, or I want to say, where did I put it? Yeah, he, um, they had delayed production on the film because they wanted her so badly that um her her whatever schedule wasn't permitting so they delayed production just so they could have her and i I mean really it was worth it because she they both carried the movie but given her part she was definitely the sympathetic character like she had to play like you had to feel for her because while finney's in the the basement she's dealing with the only hope she has to a normal life being taken away from her because her dad's a mess and her brother's the only one that is there for her and can defend her so they both had to do their parts equally she may have done just a little bit maybe it's because she's a little girl and I have a little girl and that's where my heart is but (laughs) I think it was a great it was a great investment Mm -hmm. yeah for sure for sure so again budgets 16 18 million grossed 161.4 million and i know it was released in june of 2021 and they actually showed it at fantastic fest in september of um i guess the year before i don't know whatever i i says 2021 but if it came out in june why do we care anyways um (laughs) so for the like that month of june really the only horror that we had and you know horror doesn't really come out in the summertime but because this film, they, it was going to come out at a different time, but it did so well with test audiences that they knew that they had to give it a summer release, which I understand. So this is why it came out. Another reason why The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, also a Blumhouse film. These fucking people, man. This is why, if you guys have not listened to our Blumhouse episode, please do. Jason Blum, you are rolling in the dough, sir. <laughs> Pathologically ADE. Give me a follow. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> give me a sugar daddy. I know. I get it that these films, you know, because Conjuring is, is a huge. Oh, no, wait. The Conjuring is not Blumhouse. We keep talking about this. Oh, my goodness. I got to cut the, all of that out. Anyways. The only no, other, leave it in. Whatever. Mess. Leave it in. I am a hot mess. 
The Conjuring, ladies and gentlemen, is not Blumhouse. And I keep thinking it is because I'm thinking of James Wan and that's why, but it is not. So they did have some competition. Although that was a shitty ass Conjuring movie. I'm going to say that right now. I did not like that one at all. Yeah, it was terrible. It was horrible, horrible. But for Mm -hmm. the rest of the year, um, the competition, we had Olds, which people don't like old. I, you know, old scared the shit out of me because I don't want to get old. Malignant. It's the curse of M. Night. Oh my yeah. God, Malignant. Love Malignant. it. Malignant. We had Spiral, Next of Kin. We had Last Night in Soho, which I still haven't seen, but I heard it was crap. There's Someone Inside Your House, which is still sitting in my list on Netflix. I'm sorry. I, I do want to see that movie because it looks like a fun mm. slasher. The for, uh, It's the, fun. Oh, okay. The Forever Purge, which is also Blumhouse, and I love that movie. That one's scary. That one's probably the scariest to me. Um, Blood Red Sky, which I still haven't seen, still sitting in my list, but I want to see. And it's about this lady, you know, going crazy as a vampire on the plane, stuck stuck on a plane with her with her kid. So it looks really good. Candyman remake, Halloween Kills, eh. Fear Street '94, the Fear Street movies disappointed me beyond belief. So I don't want to talk about that. Wrong Turn, Don't Breathe Two. Resident Evil, Welcome to Raccoon City, which I did like. Antlers, eh. Willie's Wonderland, Escape Room Tournament of, Tournament of Champions, Nightmare Alley, which I still need to watch, and Silent Night, which is that Christmas movie with Matthew Good and Kira Knightley. Hmm. I mean, so 2021 wasn't bad. The biggest thing was Halloween Kills, but we were all excited until we saw it. Yeah. I was trying to think what the worst thing on that list was. I guess to me it would probably be... Everyone said Antlers was shit. I didn't see it. But I was disappointed with Willie's Wonderland. I didn't care for it. I kind of liked it. I almost wanted to say the worst was the Spiral. Is that the Saw one or the gay one? The Saw one. Oh, but that one still wasn't that bad. I did enjoy that one because of Samuel L. Jackson. Like, have to throw respect on that name. Mm-hmm. I think Silent Night probably was trash. Like, who wants That's to see that? It just looks like it's going to give me anxiety. I don't like, and this is my issue, is that if I know a movie's going to give me anxiety, I'm not going to watch it. Yeah, and unless I, it's paranormal activity, I'm out. Yeah, I just Paranormal activity gives me anxiety, <laughs> but the good kind. Yeah, no, that's fine. I don't mind found footage, but there are some films where I know, like, there was something that Dan wanted to see, and I can't remember now what the hell it was. And I was like, I don't want to watch this. And he's like, why? <laughs> oh, wait, Vivarium with uh, Jesse Eisenberg. Yeah. And image inputs, like where they can't get out of the neighborhood. I don't know if you've seen it. And he's like, it looks really I've good. I've seen go, the poster. I haven't seen it. I go, it looks, I go, it looks like it's just going to give me anxiety. I have no desire. I, I don't, I don't like films where, I guess I just don't like it where people are trapped the entire movie. Like there has to be an ending. And it's one of those where you probably know they don't get out or something happens. And I can't do yeah. that. I'm sorry. I don't like it when you're stuck in one setting. I don't think it's, it just gives me anxiety. So that's just me. Anyways. I can relate. But yeah, runtime, 103 minutes. Not bad. I didn't think it was too long. I think it served its purpose. I yeah, also... no, I thought it was fine. I wasn't bored. I know you're yeah. interested to talk about the little Mexican boy. Okay. Puerto so, Rican, yes, sure I want to hear, I want to hear what you think about the, <laughs> well, I think he plays a little, what is he? Yeah, he's Mexican in the movie. I liked him. I thought he was cute. Okay. Unfortunately, so Mikey did character. not. <laughs> oh, no. Let me say. I really liked his, oh my god, sorry, my dog is snoring very loud next to me. I liked his character. I liked that he was like the badass that stood up for the guy getting bullied. Also, when the when the sister got beat up, I was like, that's so fucked up. 
But anyways, I digress. My only issue with him was that he was the weakest actor of the kids. And by weakest, I mean, like, there were some parts where I was like, you couldn't try filming that again. And that was basically it. The character itself was great. It's just he was he needed some work. They needed to hire me as his acting coach on set. And he would have been fine. But like the the guy who played like the Eddie Munson of Black Phone, he was good. Yeah, the, oh, he was good. The older one. Yeah. Yeah, like oh. all of them were pretty good. And I really like the fact that he was never really a benevolent. He was he was still angry. Like it wasn't yeah. about saving. It wasn't about saving Finney. It was about him getting that, you know, and he, that's just that was just him. And yeah. the Eddie Munson. Eddie Munson's not mean like that though, but he kind of looks like him. It reminded me of him. So yeah. But, you know, and played by Miguel Cazares Mora. Cazares. Cazares. I can't, you know, I should probably just use him. King of the house. There you go. Yeah. Mora. Um, But yeah, he's he's got a lot of followers right now. He's rolling the dough. He's got beautiful hair. So good for him. I can't really spend anything Mm -hmm. else about him. But I think that, you know, I think it was cute to have such a small little boy kind of kick ass I thought that was adorable and you know and I think it really speaks volumes to show that you know this is the 70s the kids used to kick the shit out of each other and nobody intervened like the whole time like where the fuck are the teachers because you know Miss Santiago her yeah. ass would be out there but no I mean that would just that that's just how it was it wasn't a you know nobody gave a shit kids kicked the shit out of each other came home and put a stick on the eye and yeah. moved on it's not like now where you can a press stick. charge it a stake. I'm sorry. Between, oh, between Grand Theft Auto outside with the fucking cops and then Stella barking. I'm like, what the hell? So that we're coming up on the end of the episode. The only thing I would say, I think, is if you haven't seen this movie, and I know that we gave some spoilers, but we didn't. I didn't give too many spoilers on purpose because if you haven't seen it yet, and I feel like a lot of people still haven't watched it because they think it's, they think it not is good. what it is. Yeah, it is. Not worthy of their time. Oh, yeah, but we need to talk. I guess we're going to get given the spoiler. Can we just wait for this asshole to go by? Sure. I will say a funny thing. So um, I think my mom would really like this movie, and I'm going to tell her to watch it because yesterday she always calls me at the most inappropriate times. I'm sure your mom does, too. It's just a mom thing. They know, like, I should call them because I feel like they're doing something important. So right when I get to the movie theater, it's freezing, literally 32 degrees and it's raining. And I'm running into the theater with my friends and she calls me and I'm like, well, I can't not answer because she's probably making sure I'm at home because it's freezing rain, but I'm not. And so she calls me and she's like, hey, what are you doing? I'm like, I got the movie. She's like, oh, okay. Uh, and she's like, what are you going to go see? And I was like, Infinity Pool. She's like, that sounds like one of your freaky movies. And I'm like, kind of. She goes, well, because my mom likes horror movies too, but she's, you know, she has yeah. limits. I'm sure, I'm sure your mom does also. Uh, so she'll, she was like, "Well, let me know if it's my good." My mom will watch it. I will say, "Mine." And this is your episode. You will watch. She will watch it. Yeah. She just won't say anything, but she will watch. <laughs> <laughs> well, like Anyways. my mom, she, my mom is the reason why I got into horror because she was one forcing me to watch scary movies when I was a kid. But as she's gotten older, she's like, you know, straight away from like the gory stuff, like you know. But you know, sometimes she watches those cochinadas on TV and stuff, but she just doesn't say anything. So like, she watches that that show on Netflix, like that three sixty five that movie that's all about like sex. Oh, so like, I still haven't yeah, even watched it because I know I'm gonna get all hot and bothered. So. Yeah, and then she she was like, it wasn't even good; it was just all sex. I'm like, oh, and then she was like, 
uh, like a month later, she's like, the second one's the same thing. I was like, well, why did you watch the second one? <laughs> and she's like, like, oh, and I was like, there's... <laughs> she was, and I was like, there's a third one coming out. She's like, oh, I'm gonna have to watch that one. But um, she was like, well, let me know how Infinity Pool is. Let me know if I should go watch it. And I was like, you are not gonna go watch Infinity Pool. But this is a movie that she would definitely like. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. I don't, I wouldn't give my mom. I mean, I'm sure my mom would watch it, but I'm not. Gonna it's not. It's not about the sex because definitely Infinity Pool is like a psychosexual movie. But my mom doesn't like like the artsy, non traditional like like she likes a traditional movie. Give her a beginning, middle, and end. Wrap it up in a bow tie. Doesn't matter what's in between as long as it's not too gory and she's happy. Oh, for sure, for sure, and like. You know, I and that's the thing. That's why I knew exactly my mom would like this. And so I think this is a cute episode to have because this is a mom movie. Yay. Yeah. Early Mother's Day present. So the last thing <laughs> I want to touch on is Ethan Hawke as the grabber or as the antagonist, as the child murderer, as this piece of shit that he is. And in fact, it was so horrific. They actually wrote in James Ranson, a character in the movie, to kind of give everyone a break of how dark the themes were in this film. And I don't even like no. that they made him look gross too, even when he didn't have the mask on. You only see him, I think, once or twice without it on. He looks like this decrepit old man and they just did something with his face. Yeah, he looks like a serial killer from the 70s. You know, he's oily hair. There's something off about him. You know, he he does that thing where like he acts a little bit childish. Yeah. And his voice, his voice is higher. I thought he did a great job. He was terrifying, even though, you know, like we know Ethan Hawke, we like Ethan Hawke, but he definitely plays his character well in this movie to where you're like, ooh, that was not my Ethan Hawke. Yeah. The only bad thing I ever read about this movie is people didn't like the character of whatever his name was, the brother. They thought it was too much of a tonal difference. Yeah, but that was purposefully done to kind of, you know, offset yeah. all of the horrible. Because, you know, I mean, it could have just been a dark, we didn't need the brother and mm-hmm. right away because we were watching it even dan was like i bet you the kids in the basement and he was and it was yeah. like oh my god like i didn't even think about it like that but the way he dies and, and just how it happens it's just so shocking but you know you had to it just feels like you get to the the kid gets to the point where there's all of these things helping him and then he keeps getting thwarted and then when he's finally out and the first person who notices him is his sister. I just thought that was such a beautiful moment. And um, yeah, it really made you cry. Like, it just made you think, because, you know, if you have siblings, if something were to happen to them, especially if you were kids, like, what would you do? And, like, she can't even, like, she can't eat, she can't sleep, she can't do anything until she finds him. And she knows that there are ways that she can find him. And I thought it was a really interesting part where she's praying. And then she realized, well, maybe it's not jesus doing this maybe it's just me and i have to figure it out and you know i think that a lot of those themes or tropes are very common in stephen king novels you know we have a lot of psychics and telekinesis and things of that nature and joe hill sort of brings that in but he brings it in in a fresh new way and i think that i think if you're not a fan of stephen king or the film adaptations that you really enjoy this one and if you and if you like this one you need to see horns as well because it's so good and one of my favorite movies and i just think like having these kinds of horror films in there if you're not a traditional horror film person and you don't like art house you don't like slasher and gore you're gonna like this so at least give this a try like a chance right so I don't know. 
I agree. A ghoul friend's stamp of approval. <laughs> Mikey, uh, my boo-boo Mikey. So where can we get some Slashers Pod merchandise? Well, if you'd like to buy some Slashers Podcast merchandise, like hats, shirts, what have you, Jake has made a wonderful assortment of artistic uh, illustrations that you can place on these items and you can purchase them at slasherspod.redbubble.com. If you'd like to find us on Instagram, you can follow us at slasherspod or mutant goons from beyond. You can follow aid specifically at pathologically aid. You can follow me at horror and a half shell on Instagram. We also have a Facebook group at mutant goons from beyond. It's great. We share pictures. We laugh. We have fun. We whatever. Um, join our Patreon, patreon.com slash slasherspod. And you can get access to our super cool discord, which someone just joined in. Um, yeah, you can find me on OnlyFans. Uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well yeah exactly thank you uh mikey so yeah if you guys are still you know if you're enjoying these episodes and you want more please feel free to support us in any way that you can even by sharing the episode with your friends it's probably the best way it's free and it's you know it helps us as jason would say keep the lights on so mm-hmm. with that i would just like to say to my boo-boo mikey thank you for joining me today ma thank you for being a patreon member um and thank you for requesting this because it was a good you know good for metadata and having said that goodbye and good die bye thanks miss adrian's mom